Welcome back to Commitment Matters. I'm Mary Schuster, and today we are talking all things marketing with Wayne Stanley, owner of Bow Digital. Bow Digital is a firm that focuses on small business marketing with a specialization in the title and settlement industry, due in no small part to his time on staff in D.C. at Alta. We all know how important marketing our business is, and we learned a long time ago to visualize the leaky bucket. We know the need to consistently fill more opportunities in the top of that bucket because invariably we will lose some customers out of the bottom of it. However, we aren't all certain in today's environment when to increase our marketing, how to do it effectively in this digital age. We don't know how to form a program that treats legacy customers and prospective new customers appropriately. And it can be hard for us to separate subjective measurements of success versus objective ones. So we called in an expert to help you feel more excited about the opportunities that lie ahead, rather than constantly feeling a quiet anxiety, because you know you should be doing something, all the while not feeling certain that what we're doing is having any impact. This conversation with Wayne is chock full of insights, hard-won experience, pro tips, and tricks. Together, we cover the biggest challenges when marketing a title company. Things that people do that waste time and money, what's worn out and should be retired, key mistakes people make, and what effective agencies are doing. I know you'll find something in this conversation to help you with whatever your marketing challenges are today. And when you're feeling ready to rock and roll, I know Wayne would be a positive resource for you to call on. So please enjoy my conversation with Wayne Stanley. Wayne, thank you for being here today. Welcome to Commitment Matters. Thanks for having me, Mary. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so excited to talk about everything that's sort of marketing, advertising, and communications related, because I think this is such an important topic for our industry. It's one that I think everybody knows they can do better with, but they don't always know how. So we're thrilled to have an expert, and we want to have a long conversation today about some things that can be going on. And, uh, you know, I just want to start with the observation that marketing, especially in our industry, should have evolved significantly over the past few years. But marketing makes some people uncomfortable. They don't feel up to speed with which current methods are effective. So let's talk all about it. What are some of the main challenges you see title companies have when it comes to marketing? Goodness, that is so true. It has definitely changed over the years. I mean, I've been in the industry for almost 10 years now and have seen such a huge change. When I first got into the industry, I was literally sitting at a table for Alta and was trying to get people to sign up for Twitter accounts, <laughs> uh, let alone Instagram and all of that. That just wasn't a thing for folks at the time. But I think the biggest challenge that I see for title folks is that in terms of the customer experience, you're having to serve what I call your legacy customers, those that have five to seven more years of business left to give and have very different expectations than the newer customers that you also have to deal with. They want all the tech, all the security, and all the flexibility. And that may not be what your legacy customers value. And so delivering both of those things and marketing both of those experiences to be able to get business from both of those is a huge challenge. And I think it's something that regardless of how you choose to perform your marketing, messaging to those folks, I think, is really the bigger challenge for folks these days. Oh, my goodness. That is a really good point, because if you have any book of business at all, obviously something that you have done in the past or currently has been working. But you're so right. We get into a rut and a niche, especially when we're so busy. Such a good point of what you're doing for today's book of business is probably not at all what is necessary for your next 
procurement book of business. I'm guessing that a lot of that has to do with the demographics of your legacy versus your prospective new customers. For sure it does. I mean, a lot of people ask, how do I know? I have assumptions for my legacy customers. I have assumptions for my newer customers. And I always tell folks, you just have to ask. You can't make those assumptions anymore. You know your customers better than everyone else, but they tell you things that sometimes you want to hear. Sometimes if you're lucky enough to have a sales team, they're going out and asking questions. What can we do to be better? How can we get more business? That's not quite the same kind of conversation when you're thinking about your marketing. And so really trying to talk to them to see what do you value? Why do you keep coming back here every day? That's part of how we think about building a story for these companies. And that's really what they're trying to do. That's what's going to differentiate them. The end product is virtually the same for a lot of these folks. It's the humans that are doing it and the story of the company that makes a difference. But getting to that you know, what do my customers actually want and not letting them give one word answers to that kind of stuff, right? Like some will say like, well, I love their education or I love the closing experience. Very specifically, what do you love? What do we do different than somebody else? And that's, it, it takes time. That's the bigger thing for title agents is it's not an easy conversation and it takes a lot of time. Well, and I think you've hit two specific, really great points. One size does not fit all. We find this true in the technology world too. We build a feature or a a new thing and we take it to a title company and they say, oh, well, a lot of my realtors, for example, don't want that. Agreed. You can't just set one thing, make it apply across the board to everyone and call that good. You have to really be in tune with your different channels, your different market segments. And so to go back to your other example of the Instagram, you can't just say, okay, we've undergone an Instagram initiative. We're good and we're going to keep that going. It's not going to be enough, right? I mean, the people that are on Instagram, that's great. And then the second thing, which is define further down what good service means to the individual that you're talking to, right? Because we're all best in service. That's what we all are. We're best in service. What does that mean to the individual? I'm, I'm guessing those are two things that you really help people focus on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to your first point on like the Instagram piece, we hear every single day somebody comes to us and says, we really think we need to get started on Instagram or can you help us start a TikTok account or three of our competitors have launched this new tool and now we need one too. And I'm, my first question is always why? Who told you this? God bless them. The underwriter reps are out there every single day trying to help you build your business. And they've got great ideas, but they're just trying to give you a ton of ideas. It's not necessarily a specific prescription for your business. We always try to take a step backwards to say, why do you think you need to do this? And then what do we want the end result to be? I ask customers as a third party for our clients, I say, if they did this, if everybody else in town has a calculator, if they added a calculator, would you give them more business? You know, sure, that company, that title agent may not be able to ask that question, but as a third party vendor, I sure can. And 99% of the time they pause and it gets real awkward because they say, nope, I wouldn't. And I'm like, I know, I know you wouldn't. So why do you really give these guys business now? And how do we increase that? Or how do we get more people to love that same thing? And then yes, on the service side, that is on almost every title company website. It is what differentiates people. Service is very different. But my example is always when it comes to five-star service, I am a 35-year-old millennial and five-star service to me 
is the closing is 30 minutes. It's all electronic. It might be at my house over Zoom or it's at a Starbucks after I finish my work day because I'm a very busy person. And that's five stars. Half of your legacy customers just cringed and that would be a zero star service experience. And we both had the same experience. And yet it's so completely different for them that it's very hard. And I understand that for these folks, but that's why you can't just lean on the service piece because that leaves it completely up to your own perception and definition. And you have to be specific with what you're doing. Yes. Agreed. And if it's a new lender you're trying to court, they may not give a whit, but depending on their business model about whether you can do an electronic closing and they might not call a 30 minute closing the best from their perspective. Theirs might be about great service from a delivery standpoint. How fast, what's your average turnaround for commitments? How fast you turn out your policies? How fast are you returning completed fully dispersed packages. How fast are you getting the CD out to their borrowers? A big one. So it's different metrics, different definitions of success based on who the audience is, right? It's about how to make yourself indispensable. That's what you want to be to your customers. And that's what you want to get through in your marketing is how can we be indispensable to you? Because we can be indispensable to a lot of folks. You know, Amazon is an indispensable brand and product to so many now. For a long time, it was for people that were buying books. And now it's just, you know, so many other things. It's, it's sort of all over the place. That can be your title company. Sometimes it's hard to see those giant global brands and, and figure out how does that work in my more localized company. But that's really the case. How do you be that indispensable person and you hit the nail on the head with like turn times and all of that internal stuff that sometimes I always say the title companies do a great job of training within their four walls. We go to these conferences and workshops and all this stuff to make sure all the gears are well oiled and we're running super smooth and we get outside of our four walls and we talk about ourselves like we're aliens or like we've never been in public before. We're that awkward middle school kid. Yeah. Yeah, there are ways everything you're doing, all of that training, we hardly ever talk about it to the outside world. And I think we'd be hard pressed to find other industries that spend as much time in internal training and consistently getting better than the title industry does. And not just on technology, but on every part of the transaction. And so we try to get folks that is a differentiator and that is getting to those clients, whether they are new or old, reminding them of what you've done for all these years or how you're moving forward. And then back to some challenges. One of the things that we consistently hear from agents is when it, with respect to marketing is, okay, we're supposed to do a B2B, a business to business marketing. We're supposed to have that program, but we also want to get to consumer. So we need to imagine a B2C. We've got these gatekeepers that are choosing the service provider that we may or may not have a relationship with those people. We've got RESPA limitations and state requirement limitations. And so sort of navigating all of that is, I'm guessing, more than a full-time job. Do you find that true with the customers that you work with? I always tell folks, start small. Those conversations, everything you just said, that all can get really big really quick. If you're thinking about B2B, which for those at home that don't know, business to business or B2C, business to consumer, and the gatekeepers that Mary's discussing are the real estate agents that are choosing the business in many, many areas of the country. How do you deal with all that? And that conversation can get daunting quick. And so it goes back to that old adage of figure out one thing and do it really well, and then consistently compound on that. And so for a lot of our folks, when they're thinking about that, the biggest thing that I can say for most title companies is they get down in the weeds on marketing title. 
I mean, that's the scariest thing for people that I hire at my company. They are petrified of talking about title. And so then they just nervously talk about title all the time. At the end of the day, that's not your differentiator. If you're going to start with marketing emails, do content on three ways to avoid closings in North Carolina this month, six ways to avoid wire fraud for Minnesota home buyers. stuff that those agents or mortgage lenders can then share with their customers. It makes their life easier and it shows you as a partner and not just another cog in the wheel for this whole thing. And they're more likely to pay attention when you have something else to say or share a new technology product, a new partnership, who knows what it might be. If you're talking their language and giving them things that are useful all the other days out of the month, then those other really important communications are going to come through even more heavy for them. That is so key, especially that education and true market partner approach because you're providing value to them, right? That's something they can share with their buyers and or sellers and and you're making them look better and everybody remembers when you make them look good, right? That is very true. And you hit the nail on the head. You just said a thing of value, which makes people's respa whiskers, you know, go crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> twitch, twitch. It is not a violation to do that kind of marketing in most areas. In California, you know, Texas, it might be a little dicey talking about things that aren't title specific, but there are ways to get creative with that. You can be a thought leader to your customers without being an expert. You can go to your local brokerage and talk to them about how they should have a real estate podcast and not be doing a podcast at your title company. You can tell them about ways that Instagram stories or paid ads on Facebook and Instagram could boost their business. That could be one of your marketing emails, one of your lunch and learns eventually, like whatever that may be. You can share new ideas and be a thought leader to them, even if your company is not doing it. And I hear that all the time. You know, why would we talk to our realtors about Facebook live open houses when we've never gone live because you can share that information and show that you're looking forward. You're trying to help make sure that they're in business for years to come, because if they stay successful, they're going to pass that down and make sure that you're a part of that. And when you're marketing on those types of topics and ideas, it becomes a little easier to blur that line a bit for the business to business and business to consumer, because you are talking to both sides. You might have to tilt it a few degrees one way or another, but it makes it a little easier if you don't feel like you're constantly talking about just title. Yes. And we talk about RESPA a lot here on the podcast. And generally what people have advised is if you're blanketing the market or a market segment with a message, you're generally going to be okay. Don't just send it only to the people who have sent you deals. Fair? Is that kind of what you guys follow? Yes, that is our our biggest piece is the more you can do for that wide net, which benefits your business. Whether you are the salesperson, you're the owner and you're a two-person shop, or you happen to have a sales team or a salesperson, whatever it is, that's their job to go after the business you already have and make sure that that's good and do those sort of individualized things. Your broader marketing efforts should not be to specific brokerages or specific mortgage lenders and that sort of thing. It should definitely be as wide of a net as possible, which is only going to benefit you in the end. Right. It goes back to that current customer, legacy customer versus new target acquisition, right? If you just send stuff to the people that already send you business, 
Uh, okay, but that's not really the full scope of marketing potential, right? Very true. However, I will say I started Bo Digital four years ago now and just doing reminders to current customers. If they're a title agent that does mostly residential, but they'd like to do more commercial, sending out a marketing email that reminds folks that they've got this commercial department and highlighting some of the projects they've worked on recently. It is crazy how the real estate agents have blinders on or the loan officers have blinders on and they just don't. If they always use you for residential, they don't think about you in that way. Sometimes reminders to existing customers has resulted in big business shifts because to get a referral for a residential deal or a refi or who knows what, I mean, it's sometimes going back to those basics that really helps the most. That's really good. Well, I want to run through a few of the things you guys do and ask you about some of them. This one is really near and dear to my heart. Title and settlement agencies, websites. Some of them are very, very good. Many of them, somebody visited that many years ago, checked off the box. Yes, we have one and it might have been great then, but it needs updating. I won't say all the things that I see with them. I'd rather hear what you see and how you guys fix them. But what are some of the things that you see out there that just really kind of make you twitchy? I will say people come to us and they say, we need a new website. And it's kind of like everything else. I say, why? Who told you you need? If your customers aren't asking for it. It's not a field of dreams situation. What are we going to do to get them there? If they're not using your site now, if they're not ordering online, if they don't care about what your title production software can do digitally, all of that kind of stuff, how are we going to make them care? That's step one. But I think the bigger things that people don't think about now, the my most twitchy moments these days are the customer experience side. Years ago, the website was a megaphone for the business. So it is a giant chest beat of this is what we do. We've been around since Christ was born, like all this stuff. And that's why you should give us business. You should give us business because we've been here forever. If that were the case, Amazon, Uber, all these guys would not be in business right now. Netflix, (laughs) it's just, that's not what people value in the same way. We have a client here in Indiana who every time I come into the office, they jokingly hide their 100 years in business sign because they know that I don't think that it's what they should hang their hat on. There's a place for that. But really these days, your website and the way Google views your website, it should be an answer to someone's problem. It is not a digital billboard anymore. It's more of a digital welcome mat. It's that digital front door, that digital office for your title company. And so if I were going to walk into your title company to call your title company because I had a question or a problem, you would answer me. Your front office person would answer me, whoever's on the phone. Your website should do the same thing. It should not be a giant vomit of here's all of our accolades and how amazing we are. It should be, you have problems, we have solutions. And that's really the one that as Google keeps changing, that's most valuable to think about your site in that way. But that's what makes me twitch the most because there are still many that just want to have that giant sort of masterpiece of this is our living legacy. And that, and I understand that, but you need to know that when it comes to your goals for growing or even maintaining your business, that may not be the most useful. You touched on another hot button of mine, which is when you walk into a title and settlement agency and it's a shrine to 18 and 57. And yes, a lot of the work we do is historical. And yes, we're in preservation, yet all of those things are true. But you don't have to look like an Apple store either. But as you mentioned, the shift in not only the demographics, but also just people's experiences out in the world, especially during the pandemic, when a lot of things that used to be done old school are now are 
done in a more high-tech way. If I walk into your office for a closing and it's a shrine to, again, 1901, my confidence level, I think we in the business think that it's going to increase people's confidence. And what it does actually oftentimes, but I would say 80% of the time, is makes me think, oh gosh, these people aren't evolved with the times. I don't expect any other transaction to go the way it did in 1857. Why am I walking into a museum here? I agree entirely. There's a place for the history and it is super important, but not even the history part. I mean, I walked in for on-sites before and the closing room, we hear things like it just seems dark or it just seems you can blame HGTV. You can blame Chip and Joanna Gaines. These folks are already in their head. They're planning all the stuff they're going to do to this thing they just bought, right? That's what they're thinking about. So that's what they're walking in and they're about to pay you a lot of money, even though you know, your title and settlement fees and everything else are very small in the scope of the whole transaction. They have that giant dollar sign in their head that's going through you regardless. And then they come in and one of my constant ones that makes a big deal for folks is even just like where all of your chairs in your conference room brush up against the wall and it's all chipped and scratched and whatever. And some hang their hat on it, like you were saying, Mary, and they're like, well, that just means we're busy. That means there's always people in here. No, it looks like it's not taken care of. And then people wonder, well, where's my money going? And it's small stuff like that. I mean, I think you're right. It doesn't have to look like Apple, but people do put a premium on that. Now, the guy that changes my oil here in Indiana, he did a survey to his customers recently about what they'd like to see in the waiting room at his little mechanic shop. And I thought it hasn't been changed. I've been going there since I was little with my grandpa. (laughs) And now all of a sudden he knows that he's got to compete with coffee and the better magazines and who knows what, you know, like one of the options on there was like iPads for kids to keep them busy while they're waiting for their parents to get their car changed, which I thought was brilliant. But, you know, all of that stuff matters these days in a way that I think title has been very lucky that we haven't really had to address for a long time. This stuff has probably mattered for much longer, but now it's really coming to the forefront of these offices. And I think that is, you know, back again to the demographics changing. I think that goes back to more of whether it's the millennial customers or who knows what. But if you have that kind of mindset or that kind of eye for what's happening around you, those aesthetics, it does matter and it can be annoying. But if that's their perception, you got to pay attention to it. That's exactly right. Okay. You mentioned you guys help clients with videos and podcasts, and they may be thinking, well, what videos do I need for my agency? Or you really expect my agency to do a podcast? Tell us what you mean in that lane. Videos are probably the one thing that our clients push back on the most because nobody likes their voice or they don't like the way they look on video. And when I do trainings with our customers, I always say, look, you're brave enough to leave the house every single day. If I came into your office and wanted to meet with you, you would leave your office and you would come up front and talk to me. You wouldn't say, I don't really like the way I look today. Can you call me instead? So that's the approach that we say folks should really take with their video. People love video. They're all kinds of stats about how many hours of video get watched every day. And people often think, well, that's the cat videos or that's the videos of my nephew's baseball game. It's not. It's a lot of tutorials. It's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. There are some title companies and all they do are videos of like the fresh cookies coming out of the Otis Spunkmeyer oven. They are the Nespresso machine that they have in the front office. It's opening this freshly stocked fridge of waters and sodas. It doesn't have to be you on screen necessarily, but video is engaged 
engaging. Video is also super important because Google rewards it if it's on the front page, if it's on the home page of your website, you automatically get bumped up in your Google search results. That was one of the changes they made a few years ago. So you've got to switch that stuff out. And we help people think, whether it's video or anything, about the content differently. So it doesn't have to be you dead on in front of the camera just saying things about your company. It can be a lot of different approaches and you have to get creative. And like most things, you got to start small. Don't go in thinking, well, we're going to do one video a day or even one video a week. If you got it to begin with where you were doing one video a month, that's a good start. And that's more than what a lot of folks are doing. And just really thinking through those ideas. And when you've got an hour, sit down and record three or four of them at once, and then you can release them whenever you want, but then you've got them. And same goes with podcasts for us. That's kind of all over the place for folks right now. Some are very interested in being the first in their market. Some are just wanting to do something to reach people uh, where they're at. I say that all the time. You know, if you've got some folks in your market that are listening to podcasts, but some of your customers never would, if you've got the time and you're trying to think about how to continually reach out to people, that may be the differentiator for you. You've got a lot of folks that are spending time in the car. Your agents are still doing a lot of road work and everything else. And the podcast, the audio stories for folks can be super helpful. And it's something to think about. And it's growing like crazy. I mean, I'm sure Mary can tell this audience that podcasts are just on fire right now and so successful for folks. And again, just a really unique and different way to reach people in your community. It's hard to be out in their offices right now because we're so busy. It's hard to be out in their offices right now because there's a pandemic. It's hard to be out if we're talking about realtors. It's hard to be out in their offices right now because they're not there. So you can do these big in-person event for CE and, and teach them what you want them to know. And that's a way. That's a more traditional way. But a podcast. And don't think, guys, that it has to be an interview. You can interview people, but you can just do a one-way push of information that you need them to know hot topics this week in the market, things to know about the CD that if you see people struggling over the same part of the closing disclosure form at closing time, I am going to guess that you help people find content that is right under their nose, but they might not initially think of it. I tell folks, it doesn't matter whether it's podcast or video content or something else. You're looking for something to say, go to your front desk person, whoever's answering the phones and say, what's the most annoying question you get? And I guarantee you, they're going to have at least one pop into their head immediately. Whatever that is, it means you're not doing a good enough job educating and communicating to people. A lot of times it's about parking. A lot of times it's about something more specific, but parking directions, what to expect at closing are some of the biggest ones that title companies hear and that that front desk person answers all day long. And whatever that is, it could also be your closers, you know, go and ask them, what are, what are the things that delayed closings the most this week? And then that's your update is, Hey, we got to remind folks again that you do have to bring your ID. It's not a good idea to bring your pet snake, you know, whatever it might be. Please leave your kids at home. <laughs> right. Whatever they experience is a real thing that they likely will again. That's the, the content that's right under your nose is ask people what their headaches are and then figure out those solutions for your customers. I have to give a shout out to an agent charter title in Nebraska and their website. I was on their website yesterday. I love this. And I thought it'd be perfect for our conversation today. Their website address is charter-title.net. And when you go to their about us page, you know, they have, first of all, they don't just have senior staff members. It looks like all their staff, there's their picture, there's their direct dial phone number, and there's the link to email me. So pretty standard there. When you hover over their professional picture, it changes to a picture that obviously reveals something about their personality. So one guy, it's his professional picture, and then it hops to him looking at his phone. Another one, another gal, 
It's her professional picture. And then it's more her smiling casual with a cup of coffee. And I'm not saying make your website cheeky, but to your point earlier, and I loved how you said it, let's also not only make it a masterpiece of all of the title knowledge you've accumulated for a thousand years, but making it just a little more approachable and relatable. Do you find that people have a better response to their websites when they do things like that? Yeah, it all has to match the personality of your business. And we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Charter Title is one of our customers and we love working with them. We don't get to do their website right now, but they have more personality than just about anybody. And I think that you have to do whatever's true to you. There's a reason that people have given you business all these years. And so whatever that looks like for your organization, you can't force it on people, obviously. A lot of times when we're doing, when we're creating those stories and we're asking those questions, about why specifically do you give us business? A lot of times it is about the individuals on the team. So you have to think about how to highlight that. And sometimes it's as simple as starting to highlight birthdays and anniversaries on social media, behind the scenes interviews with people that are really important to the transaction, but never see your customers. It's, you know, at Bo, sometimes we've done things like, what are we binging right now? And we'll do posts on some of the most obscure shows that our team is watching. We're going to do one soon on like the podcasts that we all listen to. And if you're more formal or more traditional, and that really doesn't make sense for your organization, that's okay. You have to figure out something else then to highlight the humans on your team because they're the ones that are doing it every single day. So you've got to figure out what that looks like for you in that case. Oh, yeah. And anytime you can get that human interest, you know, if you have realtors that follow your page, but they're not really interacting, they're not really liking stuff, post pictures of your dogs or some of those examples you gave. And your realtors and your lenders that follow you will be liking it, post pictures of their dogs, say what favorite flavor of Taco Tuesday they have or whatever that category, what they're binging. It really wakes people up and gets them interacting with you again. Oh, for sure. I always know. I never know when it's coming, but on National Dress Up Your Pet Day, that is by far the most engaged with day. We have roughly three or four hundred social accounts that we're connected to for our customers. And I get Facebook notifications for about 90% of those. And on Dress Up Your Pet Day, when we do those posts asking real estate agents and lenders and even the broader community to share pictures of their pet, people lose their minds and they want to share that stuff. They want to include it. And that is by far the most engaged with day out of anything we do all year long on social media for our customers. Yeah. And look at what your lenders are doing. I mean, NAR does a national pets of NAR day or something. I don't know that that's exactly what it's called, but I participated in that a couple of years ago. And there were more people in my market, more realtors and lenders that were jumping on it. And what a great way to not only sort of do your your content out, but participate else in somebody else's stream. And then those realtors were, hey, you're so-and-so at so-and-so. And you know what? Then they walk in and ask you about your dog or whatever it is. Okay. A digital checkup. What the heck is a digital checkup? Well, like most things in life, every once in a while, you just got to have a checkup, right? Whether that's your physical health, your mental health, getting a tune-up for your car, whatever it might be. And so we started this when I first started the company. I kept hearing from folks, 
I know we need something, but I have no idea what that is. So that's really our entree for the folks that maybe have never spent a dime on marketing, which is a huge chunk of the industry. They've been very lucky that for years and years and years, they haven't had to spend money on marketing. So they're not sure where to start, or they've got a lot of stuff they've done at the past. A lot of spaghetti has been thrown out the wall. Our job in the digital checkup is to scoop all of that up and see what do we really have here? It's an analysis of these days, it's not really just digital, but on the digital side, side, it would be your website, your social media platforms, any kind of advertising you've done in the past, videos, anything like that. And then on the more traditional side, it would be any flyers, handouts, brochures that you've done before, print ads that you've done in your community, sponsorships that you spend money on. We have a realtor in Indiana that works with us. And up until a couple of years ago, she was still spending $10,000 a year on grocery card ads, which we all remember. We remember those little ads on the front of the grocery carts that had her name on there. And I said, how many people have told you that they're selling their house with you because they saw you on a grocery cart? And she said, well, we really haven't been for a few years. And I just thought thousands of dollars. And we hear that for title companies that are spending all this money. And so that analysis really looks at all of that. As much as they're willing to give us, we'll do a, a really good look. And then we provide what I call our good, bad, and ugly report on here's what's going really well. Here's what's not going so well. And here's just some ugly stuff that you're spending either too much time or too much money on. And then from there, we give several ideas of whether you work with us on it or not. Here are a couple of things that you can do immediately to kind of advance your marketing and communications. And then here are some really long term things that you should be thinking about to invest time and money in to really set yourself up going forward. Okay, so it's an iterative approach of how to eat the whole elephant, but I'm going to mix a metaphor right now. I would take a few bites of the apple to begin with. Don't just go all in all at once. Yes, it's a starter to the conversation. I set out 2021 to talk to folks about whether they were in a growth mindset or a maintenance mindset, because that's really hard in the industry. And a lot of folks think that if I'm on the maintenance mindset, I don't need to do anything. And for some, they don't even understand what the maintenance mindset is, which is just, I'm happy with, I operate in one county in Florida and I am very happy with the business that I have. I'm happy with the staff that I have. I don't need to market because we've got business, we're good. That's great until it's not. And that kind of mindset sometimes allows, if you're not communicating, you're not marketing, when you're just in that maintenance mode, you see things over several months, they start to shift orders away from you. You may not see it right away and they may not even intend to. It's just, you know, they, they've asked for a favor for somebody else or, you know, they went to a lunch somewhere and promised that they'd give them business that month or who knows what. And so even in maintenance mode, you have to be thinking about how are you reaching your customers? And sometimes going through that digital checkup can just provide a little more of a laser focus on how to move forward and what you need to do first. But our customers that are already, they're like, you know, we want a new website and we want to start doing social media more and we want to email our customers and all of that. We're going to do a lot of that work as part of that process to make sure everything's at the level that it needs to be. But if you just really have no idea where to start, I've always hated those firms that come in and are like, we can do these six things better than anybody else and you should be doing all six. You may have tried five of those in the last two years and they failed. And why would my approach be that much better? Instead, we try to come from a place of information and that's what the digital checkup helps us do. You mentioned earlier about title and settlement generally has not been as under the gun with regard to marketing as some other industries have. And I think a lot of people in the title and settlement business understand 
how to do marketing with sort of some subjective measurements. And that's about being out, being seen and some of the traditional things. But I think a lot of people don't know how to approach marketing in an objective way. So I'd like to talk a little bit about measuring results so that you can see the ROI and also about the fact that marketing really is an investment. And I think a lot of agencies don't know what on average, if they got to sort of their full marketing engines running, what percentage of annual revenue should be dedicating to the reinvestment activities of marketing? Oh, gosh, that's the trickiest question, I think, for so many folks. Marketing is a long-term investment. We make zero promises on people want a really black and white answer. They want, well, if we spend $1,000 a month on marketing, which some of your folks probably just got hives thinking about that. But if we spend $1,000 a month in our marketing, what does that result in? orders or new business or revenue or whatever that may be. And it's much harder in terms of your marketing spend to figure that out right away. It's definitely a long-term play. There are some things, like I said, there are low-hanging fruit of reminding people about your services, getting that commercial business for folks that don't think of you in that way, all of that kind of stuff. But we traditionally say that for most of what you want to gauge, marketing is an extension of your sales process. And so whether or not you have the funds, the people, whatever that may be for like a traditional sales department, I talk about the difference between the two as marketing and sales are your dating apps, right? Marketing is where you are putting everything out there for someone to decide to swipe right or left on your business. And then the relationship side is everything you do after you've connected. That's the sales side. And so on measuring any ROI with your marketing, it's got to be on engagement. It's got to be on, are people interacting with what we're doing? Are they, if it's social media, it's what are we doing in terms of likes, comments, shares, growth of the page, that sort of thing. Oftentimes in title, a lot of that, those metrics are anecdotal as well, which for some companies they really like, and for others they don't. You know, we've got a couple of our vendor customers that we work with. And all they do is we hear from our customers all the time that they love the videos. They watch them, they share them during their staff meeting, which is several dozen extra views on a video, but you wouldn't know that because they're only playing it once versus each of them and that kind of thing. So you do have to pay attention to the anecdotal piece a little bit more, but when it comes to spend for us in our process, we really help people think about it on a case-by-case basis because it is not the same for every company. You can have title agents that are multi-state that have dozens and dozens of offices to the two-man abstractors in rural Oklahoma. And what that percent should be for them looks very different. And it all goes back to that goal of are you really growing or maintaining? And then from there, what are you trying to do? We're maintaining What are those thresholds to make sure that that happens? How often do we need to be in front of our customers? And then from there, we work backwards to say, okay, well, here's sort of the three tiers of what that would look like. If we really want to go all in and you're doing everything that a modern company in this day and age should be doing with their marketing, it would be this much of your budget each month. And then from there to say, okay, well, if that's not possible, or this is your first time spending money on this, whatever it might be, here's kind of that middle tier. And then that lower tier of let's just get started. Let's get that muscle memory going. It might be something else. So I know that's probably not the perfect answer that you're looking for in terms of ROI and the spend. It's the right answer. But so we make sure that we can work within any budget. And that's why it's more important to talk about those goals and what are you really trying to accomplish? 
So it can be tailored, right? Right. There's two or three here that I want to ask you about. And fair warning listeners, they might raise your eyebrows a little bit in the beginning, but Wayne's going to tell us how they'd be helpful for your market presence. Bow Digital can help with online meetings and events and also speech writing. How are people applying those services in their marketplace? Sure. The uh, online events is one that has obviously taken off a lot in the last few years. And for your title company, you may be thinking, what does that actually look like? But for many of them, that has evolved this year into how can we help if you're not able to do your typical team retreat? How can we do that online in a way that's not just a normal Zoom meeting or not another webinar or not? That's a big one we've heard. We're so sick of webinars. One of our title agents that we worked with this year, we did their big team retreat and we helped source the right platform to do that on. We were able to do state by state sort of huddle rooms for each of them to talk about. We did games in each one. We had a a digital scavenger hunt that we did. I mean, we've really tried to help think about what does that experience look like? That's also been the case for a lot of like lunch and learns people that are still not going into the office, but want to provide that education again. But again, people are tired of the traditional webinars. So we've sourced various platforms that can do like collaborative whiteboarding together. So you can actually have people draw on the screen and we've played hangman, you know, in one of them and really just trying to get back to that like human interaction side. And then the speech writing is a passion project of mine. I am still our chief speech writer. We do a lot of speeches for many of the state trade associations that we work with, as well as like the American Land Title Association and some others. It's really helpful because a lot of folks, especially if you are in those leadership roles at the association level or really anything in your community, you're the new chamber president or the rotary president or who knows what, you're busy. You have a full-time job plus a family and who knows what else going on. And you've got these big events. And so sometimes people think of a speechwriter as somebody that's writing like an hour long speech, but really sometimes you may just need a five or 10 minute speech and you don't have time. And it's one of my favorite things to really talk to somebody and figure out what do you want to convey? What do you geek out on? What's most important to you? And then figure out how to really write a speech that's in their voice and really feels like a it's coming from them, even if someone else has written it for them. So it's not a huge chunk of our business, but it's something that's super important and that I specifically really love doing. And I have to give a little testimonial in that I've talked to several people who have availed themselves of those services for you, whether it was on the Alta One stage or even it's just their turn to present at Rotary. And to a person, they say, most people don't love public speaking. I know that's a shocking new piece of information for everybody, but they talk about the process of where you interview them and they just talk about who they are and what's important and and you draw things out of them. And then you go away and put together a draft and every time they come back and go, oh, wow, I said all that. That's great. And then you you refine it and edit it down together until it feels like theirs, right? It's not like you're giving them some canned da 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 that doesn't fit them. Yeah, that's so often they're given something that is that prescription. My end goal is that when they're on stage or at the podium or sitting at their desk with the Zoom meeting, whatever it is, that they are supremely confident in what they're saying and they're saying everything that they wanted to say, but in the most eloquent and impactful way possible. All right, I want to have a bit of a lightning round. Ready? Man. Buckle up. What's something that sort of everybody's doing with respect to marketing that's you would consider a, a kind of a waste of their marketing time? Twitter. Twitter. Say more. <laughs> I know I said it's lightning round, but say more. 
<laughs> More than my one word answer. So many folks are still on Twitter and it's it's still a great platform. It's become super politicized, which is okay. But if you're not able, Twitter is the one that they're starting to do more of like tweets you missed. So you can see some stuff, but it's still built to be a live in the moment platform. So if you tweet at 9 a.m., it's gone by noon for sure. And unless it's super engaged with where it might show up in that things you missed algorithm for them, it's gone. So you've got to be tweeting multiple times a day. It's still really great for live events and for breaking news. But if you're just tweeting every once in a while, you're showing that your lights are on and that's okay. But if you want actual engagement or to get business from it, it's not going to happen unless you've got a concerted effort where you're having conversations all day long, which is just not the case for most companies. Yeah. Well, and that's a perfect example, by the way, of staying up with the evolution of things. As you mentioned before, 10 years ago, roughly, you were trying to explain to people why they needed to be on Twitter and everybody had the same reaction. of Who cares if I want to broadcast that I'm eating a sandwich? Nobody cares that I'm eating a sandwich. Then it had a relevance. And now the kind of that train has moved on. And that's one that now we don't need to spend our time and money on anymore, right? It'll help. I always say it'll help with your Google search results to make sure you have a presence on every platform and to make sure that you've got content out there. If that is their preferred mode of communication, that they don't think that you're out of business or something because you're not active on there. But to put any sort of real time and energy towards it is just probably not worth it for most title companies these days. Okay. You've mentioned a couple of things in this next regard, but I think people really struggle with coming up with content. So how should people think about that? How should they make time for it? How should they approach it? Talk us through some of that, if you would. We're a content house. I mean, that's what keeps my doors open at Bo. And that is because we are consistently trying to come up with new ways to talk about the closing experience, title, and all of that. And in the last four years, we've put out something like 50,000 pieces of social media content. And it's all custom to who we're working with and the way that we do it. And when I'm doing trainings with our clients internally is you've got to just shift that mindset. And so I oftentimes refer people to writing prompt books that you might've had in college or even high school. And it's just one of my favorite exercises to do to get people out of that mindset of what's at their desk, all the orders and the work that they have. And to think about one of my favorite favorites is if we were going to talk about your title company in a fortune cookie, what would we say about it? And immediately, you know, that you've got to be brief. You're going to be way shorter than anything you would normally do. And you've got to be witty because there's some sort of witticism that might be in there. And so immediately it shifts the mindset for that. And the same goes for one of my other favorites. I think September is always talk like a pirate month. And so we say, if you were going to explain your brand to a pirate, what would you say? And immediately you start using words and thinking about these visions of stuff that you would never normally do for your title company, swashbuckling, you know, liens and encumbrances and walking the plank for wire fraud criminals and that sort of thing that has huge imagery that you could easily use for video or for social or for your website or who knows what, that as an industry, we just don't normally think about. But if you go through any topic, you know, we do a content camp at the beginning of the year where we spend nine hours together and we go through all of our clients and we have probably eight or nine minutes for each. And we just throw out, this is who they are. This is where they're based. Now let's just vomit 10 ideas for that client for this year. And it could be things, sometimes it's just looking around us like curtain, houseplant, computer, painting, zoo, you know, who knows what. 
And then how do we work that into what we're doing? And that this year it led to, there was a really great one that we did for one of our clients out in Washington state about wire fraud being the elephant in the room. And we got all these great pictures of an elephant crashing through people's living rooms and what that means. And so it's not always the wire fraud being in the the hooded figure in the basement of the house, super creepy. Like sometimes it's just going to crash into your life. And so we've done some with like UFOs and other like stub your toe, like sometimes things just happen. And so I think the more you can think about your content in that way, and it's not easy for people and most title people swear they're not creative, but when you go to your team and you ask those kinds of questions, that's when you find out that somebody is the content writer for their church or, hey, I actually designed the programs for our local community theater and all this talent that you didn't even know existed internally that I know you want them to do the work they've been hired to do, but they may be able to add a real voice and a real perspective to what you're doing in your marketing. I love this all so much because not just because, but especially because in the title and settlement world, what we do is so thick and heady and basically we need as close to perfection as we're going to get. And it's not, there's a lot of nomenclature. It's not accessible, all the things that we know, but yet when we go to talk about it or educate about it, we tend to stay right in that. And we know it's a yawn. We know it's a snoozer lane, but of well, four score and seven years ago and George Washington and land surveys and appurtenances and riparian rights. And then you look out to your audience and wonder why they're nodding off or not clicking like. And so to be able to make it approachable and fun, eye-catching, then people will get into the content behind that, right? Oh, for sure. I, that's why I always use that phrase. Like, what do you geek out on? We geek out on title, or I should say, I geek out on title sort of by affiliation these days. I don't really geek out on title. But if somebody wants to talk about plat maps, I will listen and I will understand what they're talking about. Yeah. But that's the same, you know, in the marketing world, I love going to a good old typography class and really learning how did Times New Roman become a thing? I love it, but nobody would want to sit in a class with that for me forever. You know, we're working for one of our clients in Virginia right now on their website, and they geek out on Lord of the Rings, which is not my world, but they love it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And they've got tons of their customers that they know geek out on that. And so we've worked in a ton of those weird Lord of the Rings kind of vibes and language into their new website content, where it's still going to perform well on Google and be super useful to somebody that doesn't know, but there are going to be all these Easter eggs for Lord of the Rings and what they're doing. And so whatever that is for you, whether it's Babysitter's Club, Barbie, Hot Wheels, sometimes people are fascinated by knitting, even though they've never done it. Figure out how to work that world into your marketing, and then it won't be that annoying task that gets passed to post-it note to post-it note or banging your head against the wall of how are we going to say this again? Like, how many ways can we say we protect people's property rights? (laughs) And thinking through that can really free you up to not feel so boxed in in what you're doing with your content. You also can do your title dorky stuff. To people that are interested, for example, we used to, about every six months, we would hold a land history class on a Saturday and we would invite people from like the Historical Association, the Genealogical Society, the Postcard Club. Now, these tend to be an older demographic, but a lot of them are landlords or buy or sell or are influential in the community. And you know what? We would invite them in and we would geek it. We'd pull out the big old dusty plat books and we would talk about all of those things. And that audience loved it. For them, that was their Lord of the Rings. But you can't expect a, sorry, but 30-year-old realtor 
to geek out on that stuff. So you can have fun with that, too, I think, as long as you're having it in an effectual place. We invited the city historian, by the way, and sometimes he'd get stand up and talk and then they really thought they were getting a treat. And we got a lot of business off of that. Oh, yeah. Well, however you can relate it back to your business, your community or your customer's business, it's going to be a win. And people, they love that kind of nerdy stuff. And I mean, that's that's another one, you know, especially on social, when you're thinking about that content, just asking people about things in their community. Like we did a lot this summer, like with ice cream wars and having title agents put up two of the most popular ice cream shops in town and people can vote whether you like it or not. One of the best or worst things about social is everyone thinks that they should be able to give their opinion freely on everything. And that includes anything you want to ask. So they love to be able to vote. And that can increase your engagement so much, but also show that you know what's happening. And so we've done pizza wars and ice cream wars, and it's just the craziest stuff can sometimes be the most engaging. Title companies always have to be so careful, like you were saying, Mary, with being precise and making sure everything's right. And with a lot of the stuff in marketing, you can be gutsy and unless you're saying something that is just so off-putting or derogatory is going to hurt your business, you can really throw your elbows around and get a little messy in what you're doing to have fun. And some, not some, many title agencies, especially the ownership and that sort of thing, don't always get that feeling. So it can be a really exciting thing, even though it might seem daunting at first. There are a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on out there. Yeah, we see it from both sides. We see a lot of smaller title companies that would like to sell, whether that's now or in the next three to five years, but aren't sure how to put that out into the world without looking like they're giving up or feel like I might be able to sell, but maybe get a little bit better of a price if over the next three years I increased my bottom line by even a percent can change that sale price for folks. And so there's a lot of that, you know, like how can we start marketing more to show that we're we're open to that. And then on the buyer's side, for people that are looking to purchase these companies, same sort of thing. They want to put it out there that they are ready to grow, but don't want to look like the big, bad national company that has no couth when it comes to the local process and that sort of thing. And then also, how do we communicate post-acquisition with our customers? And we're seeing this all over the place and in so many states. That's why recently we announced our ownership interest in Title Success, where they help match people in that way. They can broker deals and they help with valuation. That's another big one for a lot of the folks that are trying to sell. They're like, I've gotten 10 offers this year, but I don't even know what I'm worth. Some of them just seem crazy. And you might find out all 10 were actually low ball, even though the craziest one was actually too low. So all of that kind of stuff is what we can help with through title success right now. But I think the, the hardest one is that communication post acquisition of what does that mean to your current customers? What does that mean internally? I always say, if you finish that and your customers just say, uh, somebody bought us, it's just a new logo, you've lost an opportunity. Like that's not what you want to have happened. You've got a lot at stake during those first few months after an acquisition. Yeah, because everybody knows that's not true. <laughs> so you might as well tell them what you want them to think as opposed to the conclusion they're going to draw anyway. Right, exactly. Don't let them make it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Okay, where's the biggest opportunity right now for marketing in the industry? I'll give you three things quickly here. I think that the biggest opportunity is on Instagram. Instagram stories are the most engaged with pieces of content that are in the social world. 
And I think that if you're looking for new business, especially, it's a great place to start. If you're not familiar with Instagram stories, they are sort of limited term posts that are on your Instagram page that could be videos, it could be a poll, it could be a quiz, it could be a photo, but it's only on there for 24 hours. Almost every platform has stories now. Facebook, which owns Instagram, has stories. LinkedIn has stories. Twitter has stories. Soon you're going to see a revamp to Instagram that basically makes the whole platform operate like a stories. Stories are where it's at. So for your realtor business, that's what you want to focus on. For your lender business, we still see the most success with LinkedIn and being active. And that's really where that thought leadership piece comes in. LinkedIn is finally the platform they've wanted it to be for over a decade. It is that platform for professional development and sort of finding your bubble of people in the professional world. When I was doing these trainings even five years ago, I would have said, if somebody on your team is active on LinkedIn, they're looking for a job. And that's just not the case anymore. That could still be the case, but overall, it's that they are trying to grow professionally or increase their network. And that's really where you can flex that muscle for being a thought leader and sharing new ideas and trying to get feedback. And LinkedIn's rolling out all kinds of new stuff with video and otherwise. You can go live now and video chat with somebody through the LinkedIn app. They're trying to do more to keep you there. Long form content, meaning more than 500 words, is the most popular content on there. So it's not like they're reading a paragraph and moving on. They'll read your essay on plat maps and I don't even know what meets and bounds and whatever other nerdy thing you want to talk about. People will read it on there. And so that's a really good one. And then the last one that'll round out my three here would be TikTok. And if you're not familiar with TikTok, if you have a, somebody who's younger than 18 in your life, they for sure know what it is. If you've got a niece or nephew that's dancing in the parking lot at the restaurant for dinner, that's probably what they're doing. But TikTok is growing fast. It's growing so fast. It's so engaged with. And a lot of people think of it about these viral dances and stuff that happen. But there is an educational realm to TikTok. There are some mortgage officers that are doing really great content on what people should expect throughout the mortgage process, how to better their credit score, ways that people tumble and fall and how to succeed and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a real place in the title sphere for TikTok. We have a couple of our clients that are starting with TikTok just now and seeing real success, lots of fun engagements and reactions and that sort of thing. But if you feel like you've got a good handle on your marketing and you're looking for that next thing, for that next opportunity, if you just want to inform people with a lot of that content we were talking about before, those headaches for your front office, that sort of thing, TikTok can be a really powerful tool that you might want to pay attention to. What are you tired of seeing? What What's one thing everybody should stop doing right now? There are a lot of folks that are doing marketing emails, but it's like a letter to their customers. Nobody wants to read your three paragraph letter. You've got to put it, you know, consider doing it that week with a video, add multimedia in somehow. Even if you don't have a podcast, we have seen real success if you just record an audio clip. Like if you go on your iPhone and do a voice memo that talks about whatever it is, a wire fraud tip, something you heard at the Builders Association convention this week. I mean, whatever you can do so that it's not just words on the screen. I think that that's a really big one. And then the other one that I think is cringy right now, some people get really overzealous and they start going crazy all at once with this video stuff. And so you'll have a salesperson with their phone in front of their face and they're in front of the Chipotle for lunch or something. And for most title companies, even if you are the salesperson and that's your job, you're not an influencer. People aren't looking for what you're doing in that way. Lunch recommendations from you. (laughs) 
Yeah, like sometimes being busy in your marketing can feel like you're doing something. But if it's not, again, meeting that end goal, it would be better if that person was at lunch with a realtor lender and did a quick video with them about something they're seeing this week or a trend or who knows what. Use that time in the most um, meaningful way possible. Not just, I had five minutes, it's a beautiful day, I look good today, I'm gonna do this video in front of Chipotle. That doesn't move the ball forward. Try to think more about how to make the most of your time. But that's the one that I think between the plain old emails and the rapid fire, ridiculous video content, I think those are the two things that people got to stop doing. I love the way that you talk about that because certainly at the closing table, but also back in the title office and out into just a regular broker meeting or builder association, meeting, whatever, you, we do come across useful tidbits of information that either not enough people know or we didn't know. And when you're blowing and going so fast, you can jog that down or think, oh, I'm going to write a white paper. I'm going to write a customer letter. And then you don't. But if you can take that three or four minutes, yes, make sure it's you know a decent quality, but get the information out there as opposed to let it be enough as opposed to back to four score and seven years ago and making it perfect and deliver it. So either if they can get over the intimidation or they have somebody in their office that kind of, to your point, is naturally curious or experienced that, or they hire somebody to help them with all that stuff. I agree completely. And I, I heard a phrase a long time ago, of, don't waste your time changing happy to glad. You know, we're happy to be here. We're glad to be here. A lot of times that really holds up stuff because, again, we're so meticulous in title. We want everything to be perfect. And that's not the real world. Real world's messy. I've We've had some folks that want to re-record a 30-second video 19 times. And I'm just like, people don't. They want real. They want honest. Sure, it shouldn't go out there with spelling errors and all that, but just take that pause and make sure it's somebody's on your team's job to know when you're moving into that happy to glad territory. That's a big one to kind of try to avoid and will save you a lot of headaches and feeling like we never get anything out. We talk about it all the time and we never actually make it public. All right. I have an elephant in the room for you, which is right now and for a while, everybody has been so slammed with more business coming in the door than they can barely keep up with servicing. Why on earth should anybody be thinking about marketing now? I love that question. I actually, I was at a coffee shop this morning and it was somebody that's a family friend that I've been courting for a long time trying to get them to work with us. And she said, I am busier than ever. Why on earth would I need marketing right now? For a couple of reasons. Your marketing is something that costs money. And for a lot of title agents, they traditionally haven't budgeted for marketing. So now would be the time where you can actually make that investment. Whether it's now or for next year, whatever it might be, now is the time where you finally have the room to do so. For most title agents, the marketing is always a response or reactionary. Business is dropping. We better start doing this. It's like anything else in life that you're training for, whatever it might be. If you're not doing that now, you're not going to be ready for the future. Also, just in terms of your sales and your bottom line, if you can make what you're, yeah, you're busy now, but if you can make that line even steeper when it does start to drop, when the economy slows down or we move out of the what's happening in the residential market or who knows what, it'll make it way less of a crash landing if you've built it up that much more for yourself. And that's what the marketing can do. 
It's also these days you could be doing so many different things with your marketing that thinking through it, you'll never have more time and more resources than you do right now. And it may not feel like it because you're so busy, but if you think about what always happens when you get into those moments where you need business to pick up, you're going to do things that are not strategic, not efficient, not planned out. You're going to make big jump, quick decisions. That's why now's the time to invest. Now's the time to think about that strategy. We're having lots of those conversations with folks that are like, okay, next year's the year. I got to figure this out because this year has been so good. How do we do that by the end of the year? That always seems to sort of happen anyway, but it's, it's definitely a big conversation this year. But I really think that those are the, kind of the biggest two reasons is that you'll never have more time and resources than right now if you're really that busy to think about this and to think about it in a strategic way. If this is your best year ever, let's make the best of the best. That way, when it does start to slow down, it's a little more comfortable and not such a crash landing. Mm-hmm. Well, we always lament about this business being feast or famine. So I love you talking about being able to smooth out some of those troughs. So maybe it's not so feast or famine. And as people start to go into their 2022 planning this time of year, I love that you brought that point of it's such a good time to focus on it. And even if you don't commence right now, at least know that you're going to have some target focus time on it next year. You're going to begin to execute and try to soften that landing a little bit, I think is is excellent advice. Is there anything else we should have talked today about today that we didn't? I think the one thing that I would mention is going back to that growth versus maintenance conversation. The maintenance folks in terms of I'm so busy. I've already grown this year more than I ever, ever intended. Why now should I spend money on marketing? I talk a lot in the title industry about how we're consistently waiting for the favor. So much of what we do as a title company is we're waiting for that moment where the realtor that we've always wanted to give us business crashed and burned with the deal with another title company or another underwriter said no thanks or who knows what the reason may be. But now they come to you with their favor moment and they say, can you do this? for us. I know we met at this lunch and you said you could. Can you finally do this? And of course, if this works out, we'll make sure to give you more business in the future. And I always ask folks, how often does that happen? It doesn't happen very often. And yet in those favor moments, your team will bend over backwards. You'll interrupt your whole pipeline. Everybody will pull their hair out. It's this whole thing when you don't have to be doing that. If you're Even if you're in the maintenance mode, or the growth mode, you can have this marketing plan that reaches out to people and focuses on new customers in a way that engages them and builds you up as a partner with them and doesn't wait for those crash landed favor moments. If one out of 50 turns into more business, maybe your company thinks that's great. If I ever wrote a book for the industry, it would be called Stop Waiting for the Favor. Like you don't need the favors. You don't have to take that. You can be smarter. You can work differently. And your marketing can really, really help with that. And that's where years like this, where it's a really successful year, you can think through that differently and have a plan for how to avoid those favors and not have to deal with them in the future. Wayne, that is some of the best advice we've had on the podcast so far. Thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you walking us all through this today. And I really appreciate the time and being able to talk with you today, Mary. I know it can be hard to think about marketing and gaining even a little bit of new business right now while it's taking everything you've got to service what you already have. However, this market won't last forever, and these things require some lag time so you can plan, develop, and implement. Plus, then it has to have time to soak into the marketplace. 
so it's never too early to get started. Until next time, please go ahead and think about the future and start to plan for it. Maybe we can take a little bit of the famine piece out of our next feast and famine cycle. Your fall boots and jackets have missed you too. I hope you're getting reunited soon. I know I'm looking forward to that. And as you sip your pumpkin latte or Oktoberfest beer or your apple cider, take a moment to sigh with the satisfaction of knowing that what you do really matters.